0: You're listening to recovers be the impact podcast for a more sustainable tomorrow today.
1: Just a burst of ordinary life.
0: You're listening to Recovers Be the Impact Podcast. We're your host Bill and Adam. We've got a great episode for you guys today. We're joined with Christy by Christy Sly and Michelle LaSala of Blistering Pace. Um, they're joining us from, from California. Um, welcome guys. Thanks for for joining us.
2: You're thank welcome. you yeah thanks for having us
0: yeah so um you know first off uh tell us tell us what 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 blistering pace is what what do you guys do
2: <laughs> um blistering pace is a company that i started in 2016. um it i could go in a very long-winded story about how it started but um the synopsis is a very like field of dreams-esque if you build it, they will come Uh, story in which um, I learned that the San Francisco half marathon was looking for a new race management team. And I asked if I could make a proposal to be that team and said, if you choose me, I will build a company. And it's been six years and the rest is history. Um, And they certainly have come and we have more work than we can pretty much handle and have to turn down lots of stuff now.
0: Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's
1: that's a good problem to have, I
2: guess,
1: (laughs) for sure. Yeah. And and you're clearly busy.
3: Michelle didn't mention that we're client based full race management services. So we take care of many of the premier races in Northern California. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've been with about a year, I guess, and I'm just super delighted to be here.
0: So, so Christy, you and I have worked together on um, the races through the Big Sur Marathon Foundation for um, you know three or four years now. And, and now that you've been with Blistering Pace, can you tell us which, which races are under the Blistering Pace umbrella?
3: Michelle, why don't you take that one? It's easy for you. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, so we do full race management for the Kaiser Permanente San Francisco Half Marathon, which is in San Francisco in February the Kaiser Permanente Napa Valley Marathon and Half Marathon, which is in Napa, which is my home um, in March. And then we do the Big Sur International Marathon in April. And this summer we have a new event that's under the Napa Valley Marathon umbrella called the Wineshine Half Marathon, which is also in Napa in July. And then we have the Monterey Bay Half Marathon, which is under the Big Sur umbrella in November. Um, And then Blistering Pace jumps in to work with the folks from the Chicago Marathon on their three events every year. So the Shamrock Shuffle, the Chicago 13.1, and the Chicago Marathon. And then we also work on the New York City Marathon. So we don't do full race management for those events, but... It is always good to be present at a World Marathon major and to, you know, just kind of be out there at some of the largest races in the world, getting experience and seeing how that is.
1: So you aren't kidding when you said your schedules are pretty full, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's a full calendar.
2: Yes, it's, it's nicely placed throughout the year. Our winter season is aggressive and tough. And our fall mm-hmm. season is, um, because we don't do full race management for Chicago and New York, it's mostly just travel, um, and not, not full race execution the way our other events are. So it's a little easier in that sense, but, um, we spend two weeks on site at each of those events. And so it's a pretty grueling month and a half in the fall.
1: I'm sure it doesn't hurt either that you're in the, the coastal region of Northern California. Uh, <laughs> that's, that obviously helps. That's a pretty cool selling point as well for, uh, for a participant, I would imagine. <laughs>
0: No wow. doubt. As, as you were mentioning those, you just think of the the pedigree of those races and then the, the locations too. And I, I think that's one thing that's, you know, we've loved so much about forming this partnership with you guys is being able to travel to some of your events and experience the races firsthand. And I would say, you know, from a runner's experience and then being there at the expos and, and just participating in the races um, it's really, you know, top notch and, and, you know, world-class events. So, um, we've been big fans on that front, but, uh, want to hear a little bit more about what you guys are doing as an organization, uh from a sustainability standpoint. I think that's, that's one way that we initially got connected and, um, you know, I've been so impressed with, with the efforts, uh, through the various organ or through the, uh, various events and, and the emphasis you guys put on sustainability. So if you don't mind, um, Tell tell us a little bit about some of those efforts and where you guys are focused from a sustainability standpoint and and why you're you know a leader in the the running industry in, in that space.
3: I can yeah. start with that if you yeah. don't mind. Um so in Northern California, I think people think about sustainability and environmental responsibility as something that is expected from a race organization. And maybe now they're even signing up for races because they have that in mind. I'm hearing some folks now starting to say like social responsibility is something that they would be would have as an expectation before signing up for a race. So when it comes to um, sustainability, um, Bill knows that's always been like an important pillar for me. And um, at one point, I decided like I wasn't going to talk with any partners unless they had a sustainability platform or mission um, as part of their company ethos to work, you know, to work with and be a partner for one of our races. So that's still really important to me. And we try to do that. And um, with Big Sur, especially in the Monterey Bay half, those have been zero waste events. So uh, that means 90% of um, what would be considered garbage has been diverted from landfill, at least 90%. And uh, working on the other events of blistering paste now, we're trying to implement some of those same things, like make sure we're using 100% recycled polyester in our apparel selections or Um, not using bottled water or, you know, make sure we're composting, those kinds of things. Um, Especially in Napa, composting is really huge because there's a lot of grapes and grapevine waste Mm -hmm. and those farms definitely use um, that compost again in their work as well as other residents. So I think there's a lot of room for us to grow um, in sustainability or even just make sure that we're concentrating on working with local businesses to have small footprints. But there's, there's just, I mean, it's a huge wide open world and we just need to make sure that we're always aware of what our choices are and especially buying decisions.
1: Well, and, and as a, you know, I spent a number of years as a race director, and that's again, how Bill and I first met at the whitewater center in Charlotte and I still put on races now. And so that's in my mind, at least I would love to hear your feedback, but in my mind, it's always that ever, Um, assessment of saying, all right, how do you measure that, right? It's, it's just such an interesting, you know, business dynamic of saying, all right, how do we measure spending another dollar or so per shirt, but it's because there's a sustainability factor. And, you know, how do you measure the business impact of that? I mean, what do you guys think? Are you able to kind of get a sense for that
2: Um, throughout all your events or no? That's what I was going to add is that, you know, because we are client-based we don't always get to make all of the decisions. And right. um, two of our events in particular, Christy mentioned Big Sur and Monterey Bay half are zero waste events. Um, the others that we work on are not. And they have a long history and they have we all we work um, just by accident, really, just with 501 C3s. Um, and so their board of director owned and operated and we report to them. And so we really find ourselves in an educational process with them. Um, we need to increase this budget line item, and this is why this is important. Um, and sometimes it becomes a little more of a bargaining tool almost, like we can't do that this year, but let's put that in the three-year plan so that we can switch over to that by this date. Um, and, we're, you know, we're working with these boards who are all volunteer-based, and their financial situations within those races all differ. Um, and so we kind of have to hedge our bets on what we can change now, what impact we can have right now, um, what we can put in the plans for the future. Um, but it is, um, it's is—it's all kind of a delicate balance of yeah. what's important to them um, or how we can help to educate them that this is important to the people who are coming to this event. Um, so there's a lot that goes into that piece.
1: Well, and I think that's exactly right. Like this is all part of that groundswell that I think we all believe in, right, is saying, hey, this this may not be the easiest thing to do, or we, it may not be the immediate impact, but this is the longer term thing. And, and I love hearing the fact that you're saying, you know, Chrissy, there's an expectation from the participant standpoint that, hey, you know, that's kind of what I'm expecting from from race leaders in this industry. That is awesome. I feel like I can't measure this. I can't, I, I certainly, uh, I'm I'm not able to confirm this, but that's a good feeling when we're saying, yeah, we're having an impact here. And, and that's been some hard work over the years of sticking to our guns, but maintaining that sustainability at that, at that, you know, kind of core of, of what you guys are doing, which is super cool. I love hearing that.
3: Yeah. And it becomes finer as we go along. You know, I think we used to like just separate garbage. So there was, Mm -hmm. you know, a trash bin and a compost bin and a recycle bin. But now, I mean, I'm certainly starting to think about smaller footprint and where things are manufactured and can it be a local business that's providing these things and where do they get the raw materials? So I, you know, I think that as we progress through the years and probably been, you know, five years or so that I've been in this industry, that it's, it is moving toward an area where we know it's important. And we know it's important to our participants. And even if we can't measure it, we can say, well, it has a marketing impact for our events. Sure, sure.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting to to hear the just importance of that, that constant improvement. And, you know, you've got a race like Big Sur that you guys, are putting on that is, you know, really been a pioneer in, in sustainability in the the running world and has been so far ahead of the curve yet still constantly trying to improve. And um, then you have other races that maybe you're just now adopting some of those sustainability practices, but you can tell that it's important and they're figuring out ways to add budget this year, next year, and continue to, to make that improvement. And I think for us, that's just really encouraging you know, as, you know, business leaders and companies really trying to, to promote sustainability and encourage others to live a more sustainable lifestyle. And, you know, as we look at our business, I I think that's one reason why this partnership has, has, you know, formed and, and, you know, is so strong and we've got a a great plan ahead. So would love to hear a little bit more too on y'all's, you know, why working with a company like recover or some of your other vendors and partners, um, that you work with and, you know, just share some details of, you know, why that shared ethos or, or what else you look for in, uh, in, in race partners.
3: I think when we started working together, Bill, there weren't a lot of companies or brands out there that gave a lot of thought to sustainability. And so, I mean, that was an incredibly natural fit, but I think what recover has done is sort of like prove the concept and, um, I think that there will probably be lots of companies and brands joining that effort soon. Like I heard like a week ago, isn't everybody making their apparel out of 100% recycled (laughs) polyester? And I said, well, I don't think everybody is doing it. And then, of course, I added, you know, the small footprint's really important too, because we don't know what the mills in Asia are doing for the recycled fabric or if they're certifying it or if it really is recycled, um, I hope that it is. I really, really hope that it is and that lots of brands and companies are making apparel that is from recycled polyester, which is normally plastic bottles. Um, But I mean, there are other things, like I said, like it gets finer and finer, right? Like doing a small footprint or not sending things across an ocean. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's part of where that is and now i'm embarrassed because i forgot what the question was
0: no no that's that's a great answer and and you know I, I think really just kind of reiterates exactly what we're trying to do you know when we started recover 12 years ago the idea was this kind of novel concept People we were like whoa you're turning you know shirts into in you know from trash into to these nice (laughs) shirts or you know plastic (laughs) bottles and um you know that's become more and more accepted and and just people are educated and I, i think it's really encouraging to see more brands coming on board doing that and and what we're really trying to do is just continue to to push the envelope and um you know encourage encourage folks to not just think about the materials that are going into it but you know how it's made and the the footprint from carbon emissions to water and energy savings. So, um, that's awesome that you guys, you know, put such an emphasis on that and, um, you know, that it's, it's become such a important piece of what you guys are doing. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier that I, I wanted to come back to is, uh, is the, the, the trash sorting, uh, with blue strike. I was so, so impressed, uh, to see kind of behind uh, a look behind the curtain of, of what they're doing in terms of a a sorting standpoint. And I don't think a lot of people really understand what it means to be a zero waste event. (laughs) Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about your partnership with blue strike and, and how that came together and kind of what those efforts look like from a green team standpoint of how they're, uh, you know, sorting some of those recyclables and, uh, and trash diverting trash from the landfill.
3: We're really lucky that Big Sur and Monterey Bay um, have been zero waste even before blistering pace. I mean, that's been a long time effort on their part. And they had hired a contractor previously um, called Blue Strike. And so they're an environmental company and they do lots of things that have an environmental impact. But one thing is and has been early in the formation of their company is working with the Big Sur Marathon and they started um, recruiting volunteers as well as having their own staff be the green team for that event. And what that means is part of their contract is not only do they do the calculations that um, certify that the race is zero waste, but they touch every piece of garbage to make sure that it was put in the right container. And it takes like an army of them to do that and to make sure that, you know, things are being diverted to the right place, whether that's a food donation or a clothing donation or it's recyclable or it can be composted in the digesters that the local waste management companies have. So it's pretty cool. And we're, we're lucky that that board has um, committed to having a contractor do that.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, um. So, quick question for the for the listeners, right? Just to give some context, like number of participants throughout the era, all these initiatives. I mean, this is amazing stuff. But give some context to the impact of what that is. You know, how many people are we talking about? And and I know Bill does this great stat with you know we divert this much water, we we save this much, uh, or we divert this many water bottles from the landfill, we save this much water and kilowatts of energy and all that stuff. But give the listeners a sense of saying. I mean, these are not small events, right? It's, you know, these are big time. You guys are industry leaders. So give the listeners a little, little context to what kind of volume we're talking about here.
2: The, you mean like volume in terms of the amount
1: of race participants and, you know, just to kind of give them a sense of what that impact can be as a, as an industry leader in this running space, blistering pace is having, you know. Tens of thousands and thousands of participants throughout the year, and and you know this isn't the neighborhood 5K. I just want to give the listeners a little sense for that.
2: Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I think me do some quick math here.
1: Sorry to put you on the spot. The pop up quiz time.
2: <laughs> Somewhat, probably somewhere around thirty five thousand participants. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't include spectators, family, friends that are coming, and surely throwing. Something away um, <laughs> that we're covering for them too. Um, it's a it's a lot of waste. I mean, when when we see the the truck come off the course for Big Sur, it's a twenty four foot truck, which you know I imagine most people know what size that is. Just filled with stuff. I don't want to say trash because you know that all gets diverted, <laughs> but it is filled to the brim with stuff that has come off the highway um, and needs to go somewhere. And, um, you know, because of the programs that we have at Big Sur in particular, um, we have compostable cups. We have, um, a new program with hydropack, which is one of our partners, um, where they have what's called the speed cup, which is a cup that you just carry. you never throw it away. Um, we also through that hydropack, um, partnership have encouraged lots of people to just bring their own bottle and carry that. Um, so they're not using a speed cup. They're not using any cup. Um, and those are really things that Big Sur is kind of pioneering on, on its own. Um, which is really exciting. One of the things that I was thinking about when Christy was talking just before was that, um, you know, I, I live in Napa. I just went to Bottle Rock. It's a three-day music festival. And, um, one of the Kind of requirements that Bottle Rock has is that all their vendors um, have compostable, you know, cutlery cups, Mm -hmm. you know, beer cans. Um, Water can't be in plastic bottle. It has to be in either an aluminum can or they have, you know, filling stations. You can bring your own hydropack. But people think enough of the associating their name with Bottle Rock that they're willing to do all these things. And right. Bottle Rock is super expensive for a vendor to be at. If you're want, if you a food vendor, you're a wine vendor, you're a beer vendor, it's very, very expensive. Um, but they're all willing to go that extra mile because they want their name at Bottle Rock. And when I think of the races that Blistering Pace works on in Northern California, Big Sur, Napa, San Francisco, Monterey Bay, um, I know Christy does a great job at bringing in partners who are going to exhibit at those expos who are gonna follow any kind of sustainable sustainability rules that we put out there. Um, so the Big Sur Expo is a great example, but it's that same kind of thing where people want the association with these races and what these races kind of stand for or mean to participants. So that's, that's something that's very exciting for us as we continue to kind of push this out in, in all the different directions that there are. Yeah, maybe we
3: have enough clout to start pushing it forward, who knows. But um, I'm not big on numbers. But since we were talking about the measurement of things, I'd heard like some crazy number of the number of disposable cups people use during an event. And it was like 39 cups or something is the average number of cups a participant would use while running a marathon. So if we can eliminate, let's say, 30 cups for 10,000 people,
2: that's a lot of cups. Per person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and you know, as you start thinking about those numbers and how how much they add up, uh, you know, just the that ethos of trying to have as little impact as possible and and really kind of leaving places better than you found them, you know. And you're mm-hmm. thinking about setting up for the Big Sur Marathon. You've got ten thousand runners coming in, and yet it, you know, after the event, it, you know, it's as if you know no one was there. You know, the the you're trying to leave the place in a, in better condition, and. Um, kind of as we think through that and, and, you know, you threw out the number 35,000 participants or runners coming through these events, I think it's always important to remind ourselves why we're in this business and, and mm-hmm. why we, we put on races to begin with. And not, what we've been talking about is reducing our impact and sustainability and all these things, but also want to, you know, I, Touch on all the good that's being done by getting people active, getting them out there running, and and really the the roots of why why these events are are being put on, and you know the fact that we all love to get out and run, we like to be active, we like to get out there. Um, I know one of your your m- newest events, Wineshine, is is coming up uh, next month. Um, you know, I don't if you want to share any info on on that race or any any other exciting initiatives that you guys have. That's just kind of gets us stoked as runners to get out there and come sign up and, and, and jump in some races.
2: Um, yeah. Wine China is our kind of newest creation. Um, obviously the Napa Valley is a pretty idyllic and special place, not only for me because I live there, but I think just um, for anyone who visits there you know, can recognize pretty quickly how special of a place it is. Um, and so we just really wanted to be able to showcase that in another way Um, The marathon in March is 43 years old, and we wanted to try something new. Um, The race has a wine and beer festival afterwards, so people can kind of have unlimited tastings and relax and have fun. We'll have a band. Um, But we also wanted to do that with this event um, to continue to support the Napa Valley community. The marathon in March um, gives back pretty exclusively to, um, like educational components in the Valley. Um, and so for this one, we, the board of directors chose two, um, causes. One is the Napa Valley Farmworker Foundation, which supports, um, all of, all of the wineries. I mean, when you, when you boil down a winery, it's really just a very large farm. Um, and that if you live in Napa, you kind of know that it, it is, um, very, um, I don't, I, the word that comes to mind is bougie, um, but it's really just a lot of farms and a, a lot of blue collar people working very hard, getting up very early, working late into the night. Um, but the Farmworker Foundation supports um, education for farm workers. Healthcare for farm workers um, coming out of COVID, obviously that is a very important cause to us in our valley. Um, but we also are supporting a company or an organization called Napa Firewise, um, which helps to um, helps with fire abatement, um, just with funding. And in Napa, um, as I'm sure most people listening know, um, we've had many challenges over the last several years with wildfires. Um, there was another one yesterday. It's our third one already this season, which it feels incredibly too early to be talking about wildfires. It's, it's only June 1st, but um, we kind of felt like w- one of the reasons that I recommended this our organization to the board to support in particular is because whenever there's a fire and I live in Napa, I have an overwhelming community that comes to me and says, what can we do? How can we help you? If you need to evacuate, you can stay at our house. And this is how people can help. You know, they can support this event. They can have a good time. They can run a half marathon. They can exercise. They can come to Napa. They can support Napa, and they can support these causes that kind of keep Napa going. You know, we've had um, a lot of a lot of rough years recently, and we have to keep we have to keep getting up every day. So, <laughs> wow.
0: Uh, that's that's awesome. And and so many, so many cool initiatives. You guys yeah. are are doing amazing things on on many levels. And uh, you know, we're you know, thrilled to be part of it and and you know, a partner with Blistering Pace and, and what you guys are doing. And uh can't thank you enough for joining us today. I think the the listeners got a, a lot out of the conversation and um yeah, thanks again. We we really enjoyed it.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Recover's Be The Impact podcast. Catch you next time. Just a